and clearly see that God's hand was at work even when you didn't realize it. And that happens a lot. And a lot of times it's not until we get to the end of something and look back to see God's hand clearly evident. And I see an example of that this morning. We didn't know uh, who was going to be serving in the open deacon positions that we had for this church year. We had two positions. And we didn't know who it was that God was going to place in those place, in those spots. And we didn't know if we were going to have to have an ordination service or not. And even if we did have an ordination service, we didn't know when we were going to have it. Because we always try to work with the gentleman's family and their schedule and, and make it a time that accommodates them. But we come to today with a man that's going to be ordained a deacon. And we come to the next passage before us because we've been looking at the book of First Peter. And the passage that's our passage for today is the perfect passage for our time together as we're going to be ordaining a deacon today. Now, Matt 
They're going to be glad that you serve as a deacon for many, many different reasons. But probably today, they're going to be most glad because my message is going to be very, very brief. (laughs) And so they're going to rejoice that you have chosen to be a deacon for that very reason today, because I'm going to be brief, God willing. If you have your copy of the Bible, if you look at 1 Peter chapter 4, and we come this time to chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, a most fitting passage that God ordained way back when we started this series, even with all the delays and all the breaks and everything else, he had this for us today, and it's the perfect passage for this time together. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. God's word says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, I love verse 11. Verse 11 especially says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, I don't know how you feel about bees, but I'm going to quickly give you five bees today that we find in this passage. If you want to jot them down, you can think about them later. But there are five bees that come to the surface when you look at this particular passage. And the very first one is this, to be serious. To be serious. Look again at verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. I hope you know that we're living in perilous times. We're living in the last days. I know it seemed like a, a very long time since the Lord Jesus came His first time and He went back to heaven. But really, it's been a very short time. The Bible says that with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years it has but a day and so we know His timing is perfect and we're living in the last days and we're looking for the return of the Lord Jesus. But this passage reminds us to be serious, to be sober-minded, to understand what is really important in life, what is really valuable, what is worth giving your life to, and your time and your attention and your resources. Now when I say today be serious, when the Scripture says be serious, that doesn't mean you can't laugh. And you can't smile. And you can't have joy. In fact, I have more fun sometimes than I can even stand. In fact, some people don't know how to take me because they say, well, one moment he can be as serious as a heart attack and the next moment he seems like he cuts up and has a good time. Which one is the real one? They both are. They both are. There's a time to weep. There's a time to rejoice. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to be serious. And this reminds us there's a time to be serious. And when it comes to the things of God and the work of God and living our lives for God, that's something to be serious about, to be sober-minded about, to realize that we're living in perilous times and our life is short. And we only have one life. And we need to give our lives to Jesus Christ. All of it. We talked about last week. Only Jesus. So we need to be serious. We need to be sober. And then it adds on to be serious, to be sober, and then to be watchful, to be prayerful. Be prayerful. Verse 7 concludes by saying we need to be watchful in prayer. And I cannot say enough to you this morning about prayer. 
Prayer is our lifeline. Prayer should be like breathing for the Christian. Prayer is our connection to our life source, if you will. Prayer will strengthen you like nothing else will. Prayer will help you when nothing else will. To go to the Lord and pour out your heart to Him. And as the Scripture says, to cast all of your care upon Him, for He cares for you. To cast all your care and He will sustain you. Now, I don't know what your prayer life is like today. Most people you talk to, if you ask them about their prayer life, they are not satisfied with their prayer life. They're not happy with their prayer life. And they say, I don't pray enough, I need to pray more. But I want to ask you today, is your prayer life real? Do you have a prayer life? Because it says you need to be serious and sober and be prayerful. And prayer has become so precious to me. This year, prayer has become so wonderful in my life. And I can't say enough to you. I can't commend enough to you to give yourself to prayer. It will cost you. It will cost you. It will cost you time. It will cost you energy. It will cost you doing other things. But can I just tell you, you won't regret. You won't regret any sacrifice you need to make in order to be prayerful. As we serve, this is talking about service. We're talking about deacons and servants in church. We need to serve. As we serve, we need to do it prayerfully. It's not enough just to study your lesson. It's not enough just to come and serve. It's not enough just to be in your spot. If you don't pray, you're not going to have the impact for the Lord that you could have. Prayer is our declaration of dependence. Not independence, but dependence. Prayer is saying to the Lord, I cannot do this without you. I found it true more and more in recent days. You know, the Lord Jesus said what? Without me, you can do what? You can do nothing. And so when you come pray, you say, Lord, I cannot do this. I appreciate the seriousness that men take when they're approached about serving as a deacon. And Matt was no exception to that. And they realize that it is a, a solemn thing. They realize it's a serious thing. They, they, they say, let me have time to pray about it. Let me have time to seek God. And I always want them to do that. In fact, one of the signs to me that it's a man that could serve in that office is when they say that. And they say, let me pray about it. Let me really seriously pray about that. And so we come today and we're reminded we need to be serious, be sober-minded, realize where we're living, what we're doing, who we're living for. Be prayerful. And then here's a very important one. We need to be loving. Be loving. Look at verse 8. And above all these, above all things, have fervent love, look at it, for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Now the Bible says the greatest of these is love. Love for one another is vital. Really, that's what being a deacon, being a servant in a church is all about. It's about loving God and loving others. You know, it says their love will cover a multitude of sins. It may be in a parentheses or in italics in your Bible. That's because it's taken from Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. And he's quoting Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. And you say, well, what does that mean? Love will cover a multitude of sins. Well, it means that we're to be ready and quick to forgive other people. When they wrong us, when they hurt us, when they do whatever it is to us, we're to be ready and eager and willing to put those wrongs that were done to us behind us. And we choose love instead of bitterness. We choose forgiveness instead of strife. 
We choose the right thing instead of hatred. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're going to serve in any capacity, in any ministry whatsoever, it's probably not going to be long before you're going to have someone who does something toward you. And you have to make a decision at that moment what you're going to do with that. And you can hold on to that and you can get bitterness in your heart and strife and a root of bitterness and just nurse that grudge. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to love that person. I'm going to forgive that person. You say, what if they don't ask me for forgiveness? It doesn't matter. Hope they will. But you choose love. You choose forgiveness because love will cover a multitude of sins. And we hope that when we wrong others, that others would do the same for us. In fact, Proverbs ten twelve says, hatred stirs up strife. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. And so we need to be loving. And this is what's important as you serve. That you love God and love others. Well, I said we're going to move fast. Fourth B, be hospitable. Be hospitable. Chapter 4, verse 9. Be hospitable to one another. But it doesn't stop there. Did you notice what it says next? Without grumbling. Notice it qualifies the command. It's not just be hospitable, but it's be hospitable without grumbling. Now, let's be honest. Don't look around. You ever decide you're going to invite somebody over to your house for supper or a picnic or a barbecue? And when you invited them, you had all the intention of the world. It's going to be a wonderful time. You were excited about it. And you had in your mind what you're going to be fixing. You thought, I'm going to throw some ribs on the grill and I'm going to, I'm going to fix my special baked beans and, and I've got that special cake that I'm going to make. And we're just going to have a great time and their kids are going to play with our kids. We're going to talk. We're going to laugh. We're going to get out the, the, the games. We're going to do cornhole. It's just going to be a great night. And then you have, you have the worst week of your life that week. And you invite them over on a Friday night and it's Thursday. You think, kind of wish I hadn't invited them. <laughs> Friday comes. I said, boy, I wonder if they'd understand if I texted them and said, uh, something's come up. But you're too nice. And so you're hospitable. But inwardly, you're grumbling. When I read that, I, I, I couldn't help but think of, you know, Mary and Martha. You know, Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house. And remember, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha was missed hospitality. But on that particular day, she was doing it with grumbling. In fact, she was so upset, she even accosted the Lord Jesus. He says, why don't you tell Mary to get up off her bottom and come help me? That's in the literal Greek, if you're wondering. <laughs> it's actually stronger in the Greek. Jesus said what? He said, Martha, Martha, you're burdened down. You're, you're encumbered by all these things. And Mary actually made the right choice, sitting at my feet. Can I just remind you that hospitality, biblical hospitality, is not the same as entertaining. 
entertaining says, come to my house and see how good I am and how nice my house is and what a good cook I am and what a good host or hostess I am and all the good things that I can do so you can be impressed with me. That's not hospitality. Hospitality says, I'm not really concerned about what you think of me, what you think of my home, or what you think of this. I want to love you, and I want to show love for you. And it may not be the best meal you've ever had, and it may not look like it came out of better homes and garden, and none of that, but I want to show you love. And I want to do that without grumbling. That's what it means to be hospitable. That's what it means. And he says we're to be hospitable without grumbling. And then we come to verses 10 and 11. And we're to be ministering. Verse 10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then verse 11, as I mentioned earlier, a really special verse to me. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. There's so much to unpack there. We have limited time. Notice, first of all, in verse 10, that we've each received a gift. Talking to believers, he's talking about a spiritual gift. If you're not familiar with the spiritual gifts, you can go read about them in 1 Corinthians 12 or Romans 12. And there are various spiritual gifts. And by the way, every believer, when they trust the Lord Jesus, when they get saved, God entrusts to them a spiritual gift. Sometimes they get more than one. We've done spiritual gift assessments here in years gone by. You can go on our website and our members' resources. There's even a quiz you can take that will help you to understand more about that. A lot of times the best way to figure out your spiritual gift is to see which way you're bent and which way you're wired and what your desires are and try out different things. And it becomes very evident at times when people do that. Some people say, well, I'm a teacher. So you give them a class and right away everybody in the class says, you're not a teacher. Just like some people say, well, I can do this, I can do that. No, you can't. And the funny thing is, a lot of times we want the gift that we don't have. But God has given you a gift or maybe multiple gifts and there are different gifts. We didn't earn it. We don't buy it. We don't even choose it. God gives it to us by His grace. And we could kind of categorize these gifts very broadly by saying there are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. They're speaking gifts and they're serving gifts. For instance, one of the gifts is the gift of hospitality. Now, we're all supposed to be hospitable, but some people have a special gift of hospitality. I don't have that gift. I don't like people. I'm joking. Just saying who's awake. No, but I don't have, that's not one of my gifts. I can be hospitable, but that's not a gift of mine. It's a special gift. My wife has giftings I don't have. I have giftings she doesn't have. All of us have various gifts and God has put us all together. Why? Because He wants to use our gifts within the body of Christ. Because notice it says, each one received a gift, minister it to one another. In other words, God didn't give you the gift to say, look at my gift. No, He gave you that gift to serve your brother or sister. And He gave them gifts to serve you. And we're reminded there that we're to be good stewards. They don't belong to us. God has entrusted them to us and we're to use them for His honor and His glory. And He says in verse 11, if you have a speaking gift, make sure you're speaking God's words, the oracles of God, the teachings of God. So when you stand up and speak, by the way, if you're a Sunday school teacher, here's what we expect you to do. We expect you to speak and teach God's word. That's what we expect. That's what we ask you to do. 
If you stand in this pulpit, we ask you to preach and teach God's Word. People don't need to hear our opinions or our, our advice. They need to hear the truth of the Word of God. And so he says, if you're going to speak, you have a speaking gift. Speak the Word of God. And then he says, if you're going to serve, notice what it says. If anyone ministers, anyone serves, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. In other words, you don't do it in your own strength, you do it in God's strength. If you do it in your own strength, it won't be long. You won't probably be doing it anymore because you're going to burn out. You're going to give up. You're going to grow discouraged. And and this verse, verse 11, reminds us that all of the service, whether we're speaking for God, we're serving God, we're on the hospitality committee, we're in the choir, we're in the pulpit, we're in the nursery, wherever we are, we're doing whatever it is we're doing. It's not about us. He says that in all things, verse 11, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So whatever is accomplished that is good, God deserves the credit. That's why our church mission statement begins with the words, glorify God. There are three G's. Glorify God, grow more like Jesus, go with the gospel. And one of the verses that inspired that is this verse. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. The other verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so that's why we have that verse. Because everything we do, no matter what we're doing, is to be done for the glory of God. And so we come to an occasion like today. And we're going to ordain Matt Stegall as a deacon. And Matt, this message is for you. But it's also for me. And it's also for everybody else. Because this is what it looks like. To serve and use our giftings and to be used by God. And so as we transition this morning into the ordination portion, I want us just to pause for a moment. And I want us to consider, and I want you to consider in your life, where are you at in relationship to these five B's? Are you serious? Are you sober-minded? Do you realize what's really important, what you're really living for, and who you're living for? Are you prayerful? What's your prayer life like? Are you hospitable? Are you reaching out to others? Are you loving? Do people love to see you come? Or do they despise to see you come? I mean, are you a loving person? And furthermore, as you minister, are you doing it in the strength and power of God, for God, for His honor, and for His glory? Let's bow together and you think about that in your life for a second and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. You do business with God and you ask Him what He wants to say to you. Father, I've been challenged by Your Word this morning. We've all been reminded again that everything that we're doing here is not about us, it's about you. So, Father, help us to live out this passage. May these things be evident in our lives. And, Father, we pray today, as Matt comes to be ordained, that these things will be evident in his life in his wife's life, in his family's life. 
Father, I pray that for myself today. I pray it for my family. I pray it for every believer listening to me right now. That these things would be what characterize our lives for the Lord Jesus. Bless this ordination service. May you receive much honor and much glory as we look to you and as we set this man apart to serve you in this capacity. Lord, we love you today and we thank you for what you're doing. And we pray this in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Let me give you some instruction very quickly as we do this. In a moment, we're going to invite anyone here that is a deacon, anyone here who is an elder. We're going to invite you in just a few minutes if you'll make a line along that outside wall to come and pray over Matt. And we want to invite again anyone here who serves as a deacon, anyone here who's an elder, to please participate in the service if you would like to. But at this time, I'm going to ask uh, Matt and Chandra to come. And if you guys would come and just stand right here in front of me. And Brother Larry, if you'd come, I know you're going to share some Scripture. And I'm going to share some Scripture. I want to say what a joy it is to have um, Matt and Chandra and their family in our church family. And um, I, um, I'm glad you stayed. You know, I know you had a good church home and God led you here and I'm so happy. And to watch how God has led you and blessed you and, and grew both of you, your, your family, you're just a blessing to us and we love you very much. This is a very special time for me. And so I want to share Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And then Brother Larry's going to come and share a passage from 1 Timothy. I believe that uh, Acts 6 is the, the first deacons. There are some who disagree. That's okay. They're wrong. Acts chapter 6 is the first deacons. It says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose the complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. Verse 6 says, Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. That's why we're going to do what we're going to do. If you've never been to an ordination service, we're going to lay hands on him because this is the scriptural uh, instruction for that. It's the example they put. And then I love what happened after they took these first deacons in their place and put them to work and let them use their gifting. It says in verse 7, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, Brother Larry's going to come and share the passage from 1 Timothy about deacons. Timothy is a letter from Paul where he tells how deacons should be selected. He tells them how they should be selected, how they should live, and even how the wives should support them. And then the, actually the uh, benefit that they receive from being a deacon. 
Well, that's uh, Timothy 3, 8 through 13. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons attain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Matt, I only have two questions for you today in front of this congregation. The first one is, have you carefully considered the responsibility of serving as a deacon at Red Hill Baptist Church? And if so, say, I have. And secondly, have you determined in your heart that God desires for you to serve as a deacon of this church? If so, say, I have. All right. I want to ask all of our deacons and elders if you would just come around to the back and make a line here. And Matt, I'm going to ask you if you would to be seated. John, would you stand behind him, please? You're an elder here today. We invite you as well to join us in Christ. Thank you. Thank you. 